You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you. It is good to be with you. My name is Naomi, um, and I'm part of the team at Manchester Vineyard, and it's lovely to be with you this morning. Um, it's amazing. Come again, take a seat. Um, I'm yet to meet anyone else who's been taking part in this experiment. You can let me know. But throughout the pandemic, I took part in a series of tests um, to assess my intelligence. I won't be sharing any of those results. Don't get excited. Um, but it's, it was all about the study of the impact of the pandemic on people's cognition and well-being across the UK. So in short, there are a series of memory tests and mine has gotten worse, which is great to know. But I knew it was bad in the first place. So my short-term memory is Bob, and that's now a scientific fact. Um, <laughs> combine that with a really poor sense of direction, and I can be really hopeless at trying to navigate myself around somewhere new. So if I feel sure that I came from one direction um, when I'm somewhere unfamiliar, I can almost certainly be sure that I actually came from the other direction, um, which means that I don't thrive in certain environments like um, remembering directions or navigating mazes. And I realise that's a particular niche. <laughs> Thanks for bearing with me. Um, but it is a struggle, um, specifically the one if you've been to Tatton Park, the one at Tatton Park. Um, now, I've come up against it a couple of times now, um, and no one seems to understand how dangerous mazes are. People have genuinely had to call the police to get them out of mazes, um, not the one in, in Town Park. But I learnt my lesson when I was back there recently. And as we came up against dead ends repeatedly, I wasn't going to let it beat me. So I started like snapping off twigs from the branches, um, which is definitely not what the National Trust would um, would encourage, but like putting them in like crosses on the ground so it would mark off dead ends um, that had been explored and were not to be trusted. Um, but unfortunately, the children running around respected neither my methods nor my fear, um, and it just all went to pot. So I eventually gave up and relied on someone else getting me out. Now, people's memories have been found to be unreliable after a number of seconds. And they can be so influenced by our environment and our emotions and our interpretation of an experience that they aren't always trustworthy and often inconsistent. We love to fill in the gaps. We forget how hard the hard times are and endorse the good memories. How good does the thought of a blazing hot summer's day feel um, when you're in the depths of winter? But zoom back to the heat wave of yesterday and today. Um, I was going to say last summer, but boy, has it been hot. Um, and how much would you give to just fully hide away and just cool down and hide from the heat? God knows this about us and has purpose for our bad memories. We are going to dip into the journey of the Israelites this morning to kick us off and see God's purposes in remembering his unshakable and faithful nature. So the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt and God used Moses as their leader to set them free from oppression and he led them into the desert. After the Israelites had been living in the desert for 40 years, God said it was time to enter the promised land. And by this time, those who had left Egypt as children were now grown adults and would have known the stories of God using Moses back in Egypt to rescue them from slavery, of how when they were finally released by Pharaoh, um, they got to the impassable Red Sea. 
They would have heard stories of how God split the Red Sea, making a way for them to cross safely into the desert. They would have tasted manna, the miracle food that appears um, every morning on the ground and saw how God guided them everywhere that they went. And it was now time for the desert, 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 desert leg of their journey to end. Bear with me. And all that stood between them um, was the River Jordan, between them and what was next was the River Jordan. Um, and the night before they crossed, they, they might have been able to see the land that they were, were going to enter and maybe felt a bit nervous um, and apprehensive about the size of the river and the people living in the land. God had brought them to this place. And as they slept that night, they might have been thinking, will he let us down now? And how is he going to get us across that river? Would they remember all that had gone before, his unshakable faithfulness in the most trying of times and all his plans he had for them in the next chapter? God knew their memories would be fickle. They were bound to forget what he'd done for them. So we're going to dive into Joshua 3 and verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. They carried the presence of God with them in the Ark of the Covenant. They listened to God's instruction, and it was his presence and his power that parted the river and made a way. Joshua 4, verse 1. Now, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan, Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. Joshua passes on the instructions to the chosen men and says, We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people forever. Then a bit later on, in verse 21, Joshua said to everyone, to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And you can tell them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. And he kept it dry until you were all across. Just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you might fear the Lord your God forever. This memorial would remind them of the powerful hand of the Lord. They would, would, would remember what he has done, what he's doing now, and what he can be trusted to do again. So we're going to look at a few practices of remembrance and the impact this can have on our lives um, and how we see the world. So firstly, remember, because you will forget. Remember that when doing things God's way, the Israelites saw um, freedom and victory and wild miracles, but it didn't come about how any of them would have written it. They got so fed up in the desert that they started remembering slavery, thinking that that was a better fate. In Exodus 16, 
in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. In Numbers 14, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Should we just choose a better leader and go back to Egypt? They didn't believe what God had said, and they had forgotten the ways he had delivered them and how he could do it again. In verse 11, God replies to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? How often do we do that? How often have we stepped into what the Lord has said, choosing his, his will for our lives and then making a decision that impacts our, our work, our, our finances, our studies, um, our ego? How about being vulnerable with each other, braving that confession, uprooting your life? How often it feels like you're stepping into the unknown and even sometimes into a desert? How quickly can it feel like it was way better before? We neglect to remember what it actually was. It was slavery. The Israelites even convinced themselves that their experiences of the atrocities of slavery were better in comparison to their current situation. They'd forgotten what God was capable of, the challenges that they'd overcome, the signs he'd performed among them, and they were unable to draw on the memories of the past in a meaningful way to help raise their faith for these desert moments. So they all went into a bit of a frenzy, and we would call this spiralling. A series of negative thoughts that can feel overwhelming and can be really hard to get out of. And you might think of somebody, or it might just be you in your friendships, um, but some people are really good at spiralling with you. Um, and doesn't it feel good to be justified in your misery? Um, and sure, there's nothing wrong with being sad and standing in grief and loss and mourning with each other. Um, and there's also a call to point to the horizon remind each other of the powerful hand of God, what he has done, what he's doing now, and what he can be trusted to do again. And that doesn't mean success, like we might imagine or hope for ourselves sometimes. There can be brutal losses along the way. And that's the nature of the world we live in. God made us to live in perfect harmony with him, but we chose to go our own way. Um, and, and Jesus came to make a way back to God. And today, the Holy Spirit is interested and loves moving among us. In our Sunday gatherings, like today, we, we always invite the Holy Spirit to come. And that's not exclusive to Sundays. It can look like people getting physically healed, um, repentance, prophecy, encouragement, just to name a few things. And we live in this tension as we wait for God to make all things new in a new heaven and a new earth. There is a tension between the good and unshakable things of the kingdom of God that we get to experience now and the not yet. The, the things that are, are painful or that might lead us to grumble and stumble. And back to the Israelites, they were now camped the other side of the river having crossed it. They still hadn't fully entered this new land that God had promised them. The cities didn't surrender, but God asked them to remember his powerful hand before, before going again, taking on the next trial. This monument, memorial of stones, reminded them that they follow a victorious, powerful God before going up against the next challenge. And if they were to turn back now, back to the wilderness, back to Egypt, back to slavery, they would have to close their eyes as they walked past the memorial 
they would have to ignore the things that God had done for them. The memorial had such purpose. Number two, remember his presence. Um, in verse 15, it says, as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away. It was his presence that made the impact and pulled them through. That was what caused the water to back up and dry up. The ark was where God's presence was. The river bed drying up wasn't just a freak natural occurrence. It was because of his presence and his will. And doesn't that make you want to be wherever his presence is? Verse 24, he did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Remembering and marking moments aren't just for us. They're for the world to see the powerful hand of the Lord. He draws close to those who are lost and alone. He is a deliverer of people trapped in slavery. He is a guide to people in desert places. Empty idols will rot and die where you build them. They cannot compare with his presence. He is a sea-parting, way-making God. He is alive and working today. And he doesn't ask us only to sail off the stories of our parents or grandparents. He'll do it again, and it will look a bit different. What does it look like for you to get your feet wet in the river, carrying the presence of God, to go in faith and God's promises in obedience, doing your part and trusting that the rest is on him? Three, there is a battle for our minds. If we were all to take turns, it would take a long time, to share some of our most vivid memories, chances are that significantly more would be related to difficult or negative times. You can probably remember where you were when you heard about a significant negative moment in, in your life, in our world, um, or our nation. Our brains can latch on to negative things way more easily. Um, there are studies on how this is related to survival. But to combat, combat this, we have to be intentional to remember well. You actually have to spend more time intentionally thinking about um, and meditating on a good moment or a positive memory to, to lodge it and clock it in your brain. And creating a, a memorial for the Israelites would have been a great help to just speed up that process and quickly remember. Um, Philippians 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We have to sit and meditate on the good. Think about them and dwell on them. And Jesus also lays out the other side that the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Don't let those thoughts, those good things those honourable meditations and remembrances be stolen from you. Um, there's, Psalm 77 is, is quite long, is long, but it reads as such a beautiful poem, and it doesn't do justice just to read a bit of it. Um, and it just shows the powerful hand of God turning things around just by remembering what he has done. So if you've got, it, if you've got a Bible, open it up. Um, but um, I'm going to read it from the message version. And it's just... Um, it's just beautiful. So, yeah, I, I yell out to my God. I yell with all my might. I yell at the top of my lungs. He listens. I found myself in trouble and went looking for my Lord. My life was an open wound that wouldn't heal. When friends said everything will turn out all right, I didn't believe a word they said. I remember God and shake my head. 
I bow my head, then wring my hands. I'm awake all night, not a wink of sleep. I can't even say what's bothering me. I go over the days one by one. I ponder the years gone by. I strum my lute all through the night, wondering how to get my life together. Will the Lord walk off and leave us for good? Will he never smile again? Is his love worn threadbare? Has his salvation promise burned out? Has God forgotten his manners? Has he angrily stomped off and left us? Just my luck, I said. The high God retires just the moment that I need him. Once again, I'll go over what God has done. I'll lay out on the table the ancient wonders. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished and give a long, loving look at your acts. Oh God, your way is holy. No God is great like God. You're the God who makes things happen. You showed everyone what you can do. You pulled your people out of the worst kind of trouble, rescued the children of Jacob and Joseph. Ocean saw you in action, God, saw you and trembled with fear. Deep ocean was scared to death. Clouds belched buckets of rain. Sky exploded with thunder, your arrows flashing this way and that. From whirlwind came your one thundering voice. Lightning exposed the world. Earth reeled and rocked. You strode right through ocean, walked straight through roaring ocean, but nobody saw you come or go. Hidden in the hands of Moses and Aaron, you led your people like a flock of sheep. You, you might have noticed halfway through, everything changed. It was so sad. And then he says, once again, the author says, once again, I'll go over what God has done. What are your riverbed moments that you've totally let slide? What felt amazing or God-given in the moment, but you looked back on later and thought, that wasn't as good as it seemed, or get doubted that God really did what he did? Number four, mark moments well. Are you able to tell the story of God's goodness in your life? Do you have traditions or moments where you remember what God has done? When did you see no light and God made a way? When were you at a loss and he came through? When were you lost and you were found? How can we increase the markers in our life of his goodness and use that as a practice for remembrance, giving thanks and preparation for the un giving thanks and preparing us for the unknown that we step into each day? Is it writing it down? Is it journaling? For some people that feels too intense. Is it literally just making a list of stuff? Is it a practice you can do together or with friends? Can you create that out of current rhythms that you have, celebrations, birthdays, memorials? Can it become a weekly routine? Sharing stories in small groups is a great way to do it. Um, and it builds our faith. I would imagine that with sm new small groups starting, so much of it will be sharing stories and who are you and getting to know each other. What has God done? Who are, what is his story in your life? Remembering, shelling, sharing, and retelling what God has done encourages others. We can often find our story in someone else's. It's good for us to share. And in Manchester Vineyard, we love sharing stories. And um, if, you, if you're new, check out the, the latest vision talk. In there, we share so many stories of what God has done in this church and, and individuals and, and what he's doing um, to celebrate and make a, make a little memorial to look back on. Number five, this is not a dead practice. Jesus asked his followers to do something specific, to remember him. Right before he died, he shared supper with his closest pals, and here they shared bread and wine together. 
And if you're not quick to, to be able to remember what God has done in your life or you're new to following Jesus, this is the best thing to look back on anyway, so don't worry. Um, in Luke 22, it says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I won't eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He's saying to them, you, you're, you're really going to want to remember this moment. Remember the moment I gave myself for you. They wouldn't have even been able to see the full picture yet. They had no idea. They didn't know what was coming. Remember me, he says. Remember what's, what's about to happen. We obviously also make a big deal of Easter. Um, and we take time to remember and reflect um, and celebrate that through Jesus' death and resurrection, the world was never the same again. And there isn't a high bar to get this right. To mark a moment doesn't need to mean hauling stones out of a river. Here, Jesus used really basic household items. Bread and wine were cheap and easily accessible, much like the bread and the juice that we use when we have the Lord's Supper together on a Sunday. The pile of stones would have meant very little to the passerby, but it would have been a deep reminder of God's faithfulness to those who created it. This isn't about creating an, an idol or, or a monument that we worship. It's about taking our eyes off the world and marking a moment well to help our minds and our hearts remember the goodness of God and know the powerful, unshakable nature of him. Number six, to remember, we first have to know. So we've looked at knowing it in our own lives, um, but also we're part of a bigger story, which helps if you've got this far and thought, I really can't think of anything to remember. Um, but in Genesis, we think of, uh, we're reminded of a God who is holy and creative, abundant and generous. And in Exodus, we see the story of God who keeps his promises. Read Job and see how God is faithful and sovereign when all seems lost. Read the Gospels. And be reminded of how people expected a military conqueror to free them from Rome's oppression. But they were given a baby who turned the world upside down through his life, death and resurrection. Read Acts. It's wild. See how God used people who fell out and tripped over each other to reach the world with his story. And how they waited on what Jesus had promised them. And saw their world shaken up, shaken up as they did what Jesus did. Healing the sick, caring for those who needed it, and making disciples. And what about the more recent history of the church? A few hundred years after, after this, um, there was a plague in AD 251, which might not feel super recent. Um, and the Christians stayed behind when everyone else abandoned their sick relatives and communities. Um, but... A group of Christians stayed behind and they cared for them, often catching the same disease and dying. Um, but also here they found that just by meeting some of their basic needs um, of those people who were sick actually preserved their lives and lots of them lived. And the gospel flew around in AD 251, if you didn't know. And many people, having been nursed back to health by Christians, came to believe in Jesus for themselves. Those who then returned after the plague was dying down um, to their sick relatives came back 
to find them well. And having been nursed by Christians, they also often chose to follow Jesus too. Remembering what he can do when all, remember what he can do when all hope seems to be lost. You can get to know Elizabeth Fry, who loved Jesus and pioneered prison reform back in 18th century Britain. Squalid cells were mixed with men, women and children. They had no water, clothes or beds. She believed that all people are equal in God's eyes and worthy of equal treatment. She brought in schooling, separate cells, craftsmanship, sanitation. Conditions dramatically improved and reoffending reduced. Remember what he can do when systems are broken. Familiarise yourself with Corrie ten Boom and how um, her and her family risked their lives to care for people under extreme opposition under Nazi occupation. And then how, when in immense suffering herself, kept her eyes on Jesus, reading the same book that we read, to find her hope and her strength in her unshakable God. Remember what he can do when we lay down our lives for others in his name. Get to know John Wimber and the story of the vineyard about how a group of people began singing songs to God rather than about him and invited the Holy Spirit and saw wild things happen. Remember what he can do when we are hungry for the presence of God. And today, ask about the community hub that we run down the road. We've seen God do incredible things to make this building a, a vibrant community hub for our community. We practically provide for our neighbours and love seeing people able to step into um, community and brush shoulders with some of you guys every week. This week, some of you launched a digital skills club um, and you sat and you took time with people to build their confidence and um, make essential applications to, to boost their household income. This challenges cycles of deprivation and helps create a new story for our community, loving and serving people well. Remember what he can do when we say yes to his plans for our city. God is on the move. His goodness is unshakable and will continue to be. Remembering, number seven, if you're following, keeps our eyes on the bigger picture. We can have Psalm 77 moments, wondering if God has angrily stomped off and left us. Has his love and patience grown thin? Has he forgotten us? Bitterness can grow when you believe God isn't doing things your way. When meeting Jesus, people would have had to work through disappointment that he wasn't this military leader going to bring down their oppression and fight in the way that they, they believed was, was best, the way they had believed for their whole lives. Some people might have needed to work through frustration. Jesus is asked um, about 183 questions throughout the Gospels, but he only directly answers a handful of them. Not because he was annoyed at being asked, but because he wanted to ask them a question and answer a different question to the one he was being asked. People fixated on their immediate struggles and Jesus points them to his love and to the view of eternity. God can see a larger picture of bringing restoration from the rubble. He can see ahead. Um, so we just have to keep our eyes on him and his unshakable character. In the plague of AD 251, bless those Christians who stayed to suffer. Their legacy was far beyond what they could have seen. In Psalm 77, God didn't speak. The poem is turned around because the author takes another look at who God is. He welcomes what he has done and what he will do again. 
if we focus on the trials and the story that the world gives us um, as our main narrative and where we draw our hope from, we will be left wanting. It's said that people used to believe that we were passing on a better world to the next generation, one of progress and discovery of breakthroughs, of things getting better all the time. But that idea has shifted. Disappointment and distrust is rife of those with power and of those with none. Our systems, people say our systems are broken. Efforts to look after our planet don't seem to be keeping up with the damage that's being done. Disease, death, wars, crisis, instability um, are awful, but our world will always find a way to profit from them. Loneliness and isolation are rife, and our hope is lost or put into shifting shadows that don't satisfy. So that paints a pretty dire picture. But our God hasn't shifted or changed. He is still the way-making God and the place where we draw our hope. When our eyes aren't on him, they're often looking at something or someone else to bring hope. Um, is it a particular person? Is it ourselves? Is it a party or a team that if they were just able to squash the other, then my hope would be restored? Psalm 146 is a really helpful reality check. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no, no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they will return to the earth and all their plans will die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed, food to the hungry, freedom to the prisoners. He opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. He protects the foreigner. He cares for the orphan and widows. And he frustrates the plans of the wicked. God, you reign forever. God was faithful then, and he will be again. Remembering who we are reminds us how we are called to live. We live under his standards and we live differently when he is on the throne of our lives. In Ephesians 4, it says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created be, to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Then there's some really simple guidance on, um, to remember to help us live differently. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for it gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for, the, for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgive one another, just as God has forgiven you. Number nine, remembering keeps us steady. Um, as, we, as we finish up, I just want to share a final thought um, and how our, our world can feel overwhelming. The rate at which information comes to us is is wild um, and we can constantly be filtering like how am I supposed to um, respond to this current situation circumstance um, 
what decisions to make, what our friends are saying, pressures and expectations. Um, it can feel like a lot, and it can almost leave you feeling almost emotional, mental and spiritual motion sickness. And some of you might resonate with that, with a deep feeling in the pit of your stomach of feeling like all is not well. Um, and interestingly, there are a few things you can do to, do to ease physical motion sickness in yourself, according to the NHS. Reduce your motion. Stop if you can. Get into a steadier place, the middle of a car or a boat, if that happens to be where you are. Look ahead straight at a fixed point, such as the horizon. Breathe fresh air if possible. Breathe slowly while focusing on your breathing. Stop your journey to take a walk if you can. And it feels jammy, but I just love how this relates to, to everything that God asks us to do. Even in the songs we were singing this morning, like breathe in, sing out. Get steady, get a good footing, look ahead at an unchanging fixed point. Take a moment, breathe in good, life-giving things. Stop and take time out. Hebrews 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of, God, of the throne of God. This active remembering keeps our eyes fixed on one point. God asked the Israelites to take a moment, breathe deep and look at these stones. Jesus asked his followers to take some time out to remember him. Remember the author and perfecter of your faith, which I love when we, when we do that together. Remember where he's now sat. Keep your eyes fixed on his goodness. Find ways to stop. Create a memorial, whatever that looks like for you, and reflect. I love that the NHS gives um, the advice they give, and it's do not do this if you're experiencing motion sickness. Um, do not look at moving objects such as passing cars or rolling waves. How biblical. <laughs> Do not make the troubles around you your focus. The rolling waves, it will not make you well. Remember your storm-calming, sea-parting, ocean-making ocean God and keep your eyes fixed on him. Thank you, NHS, for that one. So as we finish up, let's remember his unshakable goodness in the history of the family that we're a part of, in your own life, for each other in this moment, and for all that is to come, and for the obedience that flows out of that and what God is asking of you in that remembrance. We remember his powerful works that raise our faith and increase our dependence on him and his presence the next time there are giants ahead to remember the powerful, faithful, unchanging nature of our God and in our everyday active remembrance, keeping our eyes fixed on him as, as our hope. So should we, should we stand to pray, if you can? That would be great. Father, we, we, welcome, your, we welcome your presence. We thank you for your spirit, God, and and as we just take some time now to make space and to wait on you, Lord, would you, would you speak and would you move, Lord? Um, just be present among us. We welcome your spirit now, God. Thank you for your goodness.
home and respond individually and just respond as a church family and just in, in that space where you are. Um, just take a minute of, of, of silence, take a minute of remembrance. Maybe we've been speaking a lot about remembering the things that God has done for you and in you and in others around you, which is all meant to point us towards the fact that that the Holy Spirit is, is here, that God wants to live with you, he wants a relationship with you. And uh, yes, it is it is gonna take a few minutes before before sharing any words even. Um, just in, in, in silence and then you know pray pray to God, consciously just embrace that uh, and, and let be open to God speaking to you in this moment. as the team have been praying and there are just some words that we're going to share um, um, some of them might feel like they apply to you so we'll in a minute we'll also make space for you to come and respond but we'll, we'll just share a few things now so um, there was a sense that um, relating to the, the last song that we sang that some of you have um, lost heart where we sang you don't have to lose heart you've lost heart and um, so just get a sense that that isn't about um, God. There's not a shame in that. God isn't shaming you and, and this, there's no punishment for that. But yeah, that you feel like you've lost heart. Um, and I think God wants to meet you in that. Um, also a sense of um, that there is just a moment of worship to be had as well, of, of just worshipping him and his goodness where you, you can remember and you can draw these things to mind. Um, and he is good and where that sets your eyes on a, in a different place that um, yeah, that there's a moment of worship to have, whether that is in, your, in the space where you are. But I think some of you will want to kneel um, and, and, and worship. Also, um, 
for some of you, it's around repentance and where you have focused your hope on a different place um, or a few different places. And God is saying, will you, will you come back to me? Will you put your eyes back on me? Just a couple more. I think <clears throat> there was a word shared earlier as well about um, how, you know, when we when we go out in the sun, we're, we're worried about protecting our skin and protecting ourselves, and we, we, we put cream on. And it's just a, an encouragement that when, when actually we come to into God's presence, we don't need those barriers. We we can actually bask in His glory and presence. And uh, and maybe that you've acknowledged that some that's something that you've been doing almost that you you've come and you've you've put that barrier that hasn't allowed you to, uh, to, to meet with God fully. Uh, and, and secondly, um, the, there was a word in particular for uh, maybe a, <clears throat> a female in, uh, in her 40s uh, who, as, as we've been remembering uh, uh, you know, past things about what, what God has done in, in, in our lives, uh, that actually it's, it's brought up something, uh, something that maybe would have happened to you before that uh, is actually brought up uh, a feeling of fear uh, and uh, that, actually, that actually is not what God wants for you. God wants to break that and the power of that memory uh, in you. So if that is you, please do come to the, to the side of the front uh, to, to receive prayer. And I think there's something very powerful in what Naomi was saying about fixing our eyes on Jesus. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, uh, when, we, when we see him, when we know him uh, and we remember him, uh, actually those, those things that we think are are, are you know, we're, we're putting in our bar- in, in the, the our barriers because of our past, because of uh, our, our present. They're actually just falling away. They're, they they just fall off you uh, completely and and utterly. Um, so, uh, yeah, if, if any of those words uh, make uh, make make sense to you, or if anything you'd want prayer for anything in particular, um, do come to the front or to the sides, uh, and someone in the life of the church will uh, will come and pray for you. Uh, and there may be a few more words coming up as as we as we go. But um, yeah, why don't we why don't we respond? Why don't we take this time to uh, receive from from one another in this way? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.